Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This podcast is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And each week, what we do with these podcasts is we're going to look at one of the sessions that's in your Bible study material for Bible Studies for Life. So if you're new to this podcast, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And we hope that you will join us every week as we unpack one of the sessions in our study. Chris, why don't you tell us about the study we're about to jump into? So this is a new study for us. We are talking about mentoring. The title is Mentoring, Investing in Others. And we'll be looking at six different groups or individuals and and their relationship with someone uh, where there's a mentor uh, relationship involved. So we'll look at, at the Bible to kind of guide our conversation about mentoring. Well, good. And joining Chris and I for this conversation is Dr. Sam Crouch. Sam, thank you for joining us for this episode. Glad to be here. Uh, Dr. Crouch uh, is on our podcast because he wrote the study that we're going to be looking at on mentoring. Uh, Dr. Crouch is a pastor. He is a writer, of course, because he wrote this study. A recently retired pastor in uh, Nevada, correct, uh, Sam? Yeah, left Nevada and now living in Arizona. Now, you are from the Southwest since uh, you grew up in New Mexico as well, right? Right. I grew up in Albuquerque. Uh-huh. But Chris, I should tell you something about Sam. Before I ever came to work for Lifeway, Sam was probably the first person from Lifeway or the Sunday school board back then that I ever met. Uh, I was being brought in as a green rider, and this person named Sam Crouch picked me up at the airport. I thought you guys went back a long way, so I didn't realize that uh, it was to your early writing days. And I didn't, I don't even remember that. So (laughs) (laughs) that was a long, long time ago. Uh, I'm not going to use the word 29 years, but it was a long time ago. But what we're going to be doing is we we get into the study on mentoring. We're going to be starting with uh, two individuals in the Old Testament, Jethro and Moses. As we begin to have a conversation about biblical characters who are mentors, uh, I I wanted to talk just a little bit about some positive uh, mentoring relationships we've been in, but also I want us to talk about the reality that this may be a difficult conversation uh, for people to have. I think that there's uh, going to be a lot of people in our in our groups who are going to be a little uncomfortable with the idea of mentoring or maybe the idea of them being a mentor to someone. And so I want us to talk a little bit about about that. But uh, Sam, you, you tell a story in the second session about um, a mentor who was a tremendous influence in your life. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things as I was was writing uh, these sessions, I really had an awareness that a lot of people would be very hesitant to, you know, that uh, how how do I go about this? I'm not uh, gifted. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm not, uh, you know, a real leader. Can I do this? And I think the one of the things that people need to understand is that mentoring, uh, maybe the 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 biggest portion of mentoring is just presence, being with people and living your your life genuinely around people. Uh, Probably the person who had the biggest influence in my life was a gentleman by the name of Wally. Wally was um, my youth minister when I was probably ninth grade. He came to our church and and really what Wally did more than anything is that he would involve one or two or three of us 
in a lot of his his daily activity you know he would have to go here to do this particular thing for the church and he would invite us to come along and you know we'd be in the car and we would talk <clears throat> and that developed the kind of relationship that for me really uh resulted in god's call on my life initially to be a youth minister as well and uh, wally and i stayed uh very close friends all the way through uh uh his you know for years and years and decades um he was one of those that <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> that and when i got into ministry he would be my go-to person to call and say hey how do i do this what should i do in this situation so a lot of it is just being present. And I think any, really any uh, Christian can do that. I appreciate that. I'm glad that you uh, share with us that story. Um, in my instance, my uh, uh, pastor, when I was a teenager through, through college and seminary was Ralph Hodge. And Ralph is a retired Lifeway uh, employee, but uh, Ralph was my pastor. And so when I felt the called ministry. He was always encouraging and supportive. And over time, we talked about ministry and, uh, you know, he was involved in uh, doing um, premarital counseling with my wife and I. And uh, but we developed a relationship and and we never used that terminology. I don't know. He would have probably been uncomfortable with that. Uh, but we we shared life together. We I learned a lot from him and uh, just have a deep appreciation for how he handled it. And you're exactly right. It was it was being present. It was having those conversations. Uh, he was uh, one of those guys that recommended me places uh, when when I was uh, in that just graduating from seminary and uh, uh, he's the guy I called and said, Hey, this is going on. What do I need to do? So uh, just have a deep appreciation for that relationship. Well, Chris, I think mentoring the term, uh, at least for me, the first time I remember hearing the word was in the context of a, of a business book. And I think a lot of people hear mentoring and they think of, business, the corporation, you're training somebody. So you put that in the church context, you think, well, it's said, well, who am I to do something like that? I, I'm I'm not that type of leader. Uh, but Sam, you captured it well. It's just uh, that, that idea that we're investing your presence and just being there for them. So as we look at these individuals over the next you're going to see some opportunities. I'm wanting you to see some opportunities with people in your church, people that you, uh, you're you around during the week, that it may be that you're that presence for them for a moment, uh, for just a short season. Others, it's going to be more of an intentional discipleship. Let's walk down this road together. Uh, I, this is not an either or, it's a both and. I think relationship is a key word, and I think we, we need to keep that um at the forefront of our conversations today. And as we go through the, uh, through our podcast, this reminded people that it's developing and cultivating relationships. When we talk about presence, that's what we mean. And, and it can be both formal and informal. I mean, you can have a curriculum that you want to cover, or these are the points we want to cover today, or it can just be an informal kind of getting together and letting uh, let's just talk. Chris, you asked me earlier about my own mentoring relationships, and I'll look back and 
I honestly can't think of one. But again, I tend to think of who was that individual that said, hey, Lynn, I'm going to walk down. Let's spend the next six months together doing this. I can't think of an individual, but I can think of dozens of men and some women who, for a short season, just walked alongside me. Uh, maybe, maybe it was on a mission trip, a weekend event or something, but they impacted my life during that moment. Uh, so again, it's presence. Uh, we, we have lots of opportunities, lots of different ways we can disciple others. So I want us to begin by looking at Jephthro and Moses in the Old Testament. We're going to be in the book of Exodus for this first session. And what we're going to we're kind of focus on as we look at these men is for us to be ready to give wisdom and to receive godly wisdom, both to give it and to receive it. So we're going to talk about Jethro and Moses. Uh, we're going to begin in Exodus 18. But before we even jump into this, Sam, let's talk about who in the world is Jethro. All right. You know, we first see Jethro in Exodus chapter 2. Um, Moses, of course, has gotten, uh, you know, in trouble with Pharaoh and has fled Egypt. To the land of Midian, and in Midian, he meets Jethro um, and begins herding sheep for him, and for 40 years, he, he kept the flocks of Jethro. Now, one of the things that, uh, as uh, you study the story of Jethro, you're going to find that he's given two other different names in the, in the uh, record of Exodus. He's called Aruel, and another place he's called Hobad, and uh, what the relationship is between the three different names, uh, it's just conjecture on that. But he was just, uh, excuse me, he was Moses' father-in-law. Uh, his daughter Zipporah uh, became Moses' wife. And uh, so that kind of sets the stage for who Jethro is. And when uh, Moses had, was called through the burning bush experience and decided to return to Egypt, he took Zipporah and his two sons with him. Something happened either along the way or once they got to Egypt that Moses sent his wife and two sons back to Jethro. Uh, why? We're not, not totally certain. So when you get to Acts chapter 18, Jethro shows up bringing Moses' wife and two sons back to him. And so that kind of sets the stage for what happens in uh, Exodus chapter 18. All right, so we get to Exodus 18, and we're going to begin reading in verse 9. Jethro, he, he's, he's come and joined Moses and the Israelites. Jethro rejoiced over all the good things the Lord had done for Israel when he rescued them from the power of the Egyptians. Blessed be the Lord, Jethro proclaimed, who rescued you from the power of Egypt and from the power of Pharaoh. He has rescued the people from under the power of Egypt. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, because he did wonders when the Egyptians acted arrogantly against Israel. So it's a beautiful passage that um, Jethro gets to hear what has happened and celebrate and affirm uh, the work of God in, uh, in Moses' work, uh, in Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt. Yeah, and, and, you know, one of the things that uh, is interesting there is that Jethro is identified as the priest of Midian, and um, we're not quite sure priest of, of who, what God, but what is significant in this is that when uh, Jethro begins, uh, sees what all that God has done for the Israelites, 
he says, blessed be the God. And he says, this is God who is greater than all the other gods. It was an affirmation that Yahweh, the God of Israel, was the greatest of, of any kind of deity that my, man might have created. And so it's a it's pretty significant passage there. I have a I have a father-in-law who's deceased, but uh, my father-in-law's response to about anything in my life was immediate skepticism. <laughs> so you have to you have to wonder if uh, when Moses had this burning bush experience and says to his father-in-law, "Okay, I'm going to go lead my people out of out of Egypt," <laughs> if uh, if Jethro was like. What? Are you crazy? You can't do that. So you have to wonder if maybe some of that was there. So he comes here, though, and obviously he's heard about all that's been happening uh, with the Egyptians. And now he's there with the Israelites. You know, God sees face to face that God has rescued them. And you see his heart really turn to make this positive uh, comment, as you said, Chris, how he acknowledged God's hand at work. So what's going to happen now is Jethro has made this great positive comment. He, he The next day he sees M Moses doing what Moses does, which is Moses sits down and the people come to them with their whining and their complaining or whatever. They're, they need a decision made. And so in verse 14, Jethro responds to this, what he sees Moses doing. When Moses' father-in-law saw everything he was doing, Moses was doing for them. He asked, what is this you're doing for the people? Why are you alone sitting as judge while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses replied to his father-in-law, well, because the Lord people come to me to inquire of God. And whenever they have a dispute, he comes to me. I make a decision between one man and another. I teach them God's standards and statutes and laws. What you are doing is not good, Moses' father-in-law said to him. You will certainly wear out both yourself and these people who are with you because the task is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. You get the sense that uh, a couple of things. First, Jethro first observes and he asks some questions to what exactly is going on here? And we can't always get the tone. But again, my experience with my father-in-law would cause me to say, my father-in-law called me fuzzy. I had a I had an afro when when I first uh, met my wife, and um, so he called me fuzzy. So in the first ten years of uh, um, our married life, he always called me fuzzy. It shocked me when he called me Chris for the first time. It just absolutely took me by surprise. So I, I can't help but read my father-in-law into into Jethro. Son, what are you, what are you doing? You're crazy. <laughs> You're wearing yourself out and all these people as well. Um, so he he observed it. He asked questions and then uh, told him, you know, this is what you ought to be doing. Sam, you pointed out in what you wrote in the personal study guide. I like the comment you made here. The offered approach to mentoring because he turned his observations into questions. Yeah, exactly. And he and, and that's how you have to do it. You have to observe. What, what's going on here and identify here's some areas where maybe you could be doing this better or you need to be doing it a different way. But you ask them, you don't just dictate to a person and saying, well, this is what you should do, but ask them to give you feedback because what happens is as they respond, 
maybe the light comes on in their mind to say, yeah, maybe this is going to wear me out. Maybe this is going to wear the people out. So you ask the questions that really engage that other person in coming to understand for themselves what the situation is. There's an element in that, Sam, to me that it's instead of me telling them what to do, I ask the questions. So they come up with the answer. So it's like they thought of the answer themselves instead of me just telling them. Uh, Somewhat diplomatic then. Uh, One of the questions that we ask, and I think it's a good question uh, for for a group to have a conversation around, is what's the difference between constructive criticism and just being critical? (laughs) I think that there's the opportunity for a lot of conversation there. Right. And, you know, I think the difference really comes, what is your intent is your intent to put somebody down to to uh, make them feel small, or is it to build them up and and uh, lead them to be better at themselves? I think there's a lot of criticism out there that's just putting somebody down, and um, a lot of that comes from insecurity. I won't put you down because I need to be lifted up myself. But constructive criticism says. Hey, I want you to succeed, and here's some ways in which I see you could do that. So that's a much better way to say it. Um, I want I want you to I want you to succeed. I want this to be a successful endeavor. Is a better way to start it than to say I've got some constructive criticism for you. (laughs) That raises all sorts of red flags with me. Just somebody says that you're you're waiting for the shoe to drop. The Lord told me to tell you this. <laughs> That's it. But in our groups, in these conversations, as they talk about this very question, Chris, I think a lot of people are going to think to themselves, yeah, I, I do offer constructivism. And the person who heard it would probably say, yeah, but not really. Yeah. We're, we're, we do offer uh, criticism with the intent of being constructive, but what is lacking in so much of it is love and grace saying it in a way that as you already pointed out, I want you to succeed at this. It too much of the time comes across as I know the right way for you to do it. Now sit down and listen and let me tell you. And we're missing the love and the grace element of that. Exactly. You're right on Lynn, because it's, you've got to be graceful. Uh, Diplomatic is, you know, Chris, you mentioned that word. Uh, that's the key to a, to a good mentoring relationship is extending grace, uh, extending diplomacy, um, not just nailing somebody to the wall because they did it the wrong way, but really say, here's the way in which maybe you ought to proceed because of this reason or whatever. Yeah. Well, what Moses and Jethro in their, in their conversation here, we've seen that Jethro has, he's listened He's asked some questions, but he doesn't stop there. As Moses has processed this, now Jethro's going to turn around and he's going to offer some counsel. He's going to offer some sound counsel. Let me pick up in verse 19. These are Jethro's words. Now listen to me. I will give you some advice and God be with you. You be the one to represent the people before God and bring their cases to him. Instruct them about the statutes and laws and teach them the ways to live and what they must do. But you should select from all the people able men, God-fearing and trustworthy and hating dishonest prophet. 
Place them over the people as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. So he's not telling Moses not to do it anymore, but to delegate and bring some help alongside him. What what was really going on there is that Moses, you know, he had two different tasks that he needed to do. He was building a nation and uh, he had so much to do. And yet he got uh, really bogged down in all the, the small details and was neglecting the greater work of, of shaping the nation. And so what Jethro's doing there is saying, hey, these details, somebody else can do these. You've got a more important task to be doing um, as, as God's representative before the people. You're, you're teaching them the ways of God. I love the way he says you're to instruct them about the statutes and the laws and teach them the way to live and what they must do. Um, that was his primary task. And yet here he is, he's deciding, you know, things like, uh, well, she stole my, my uh, pot last night or whatever, he, these kind of trivial things. Jethro's saying, hey, there's greater things you need to be zeroed in on. I hope that you see in this very clear application for us as we think about mentoring and discipling other people or being in those kind of relationships, that we need to be ready to receive godly wisdom, and we need to be ready to give godly wisdom. Sam has closed this Bible study. Uh, there's a section in your books called Live It Out. Uh, and I'm encourage you to spend some time looking at those three ideas he suggested for us to consider how we, how we apply this passage to our lives. Uh, if you lead a group, be sure and leave some time for your group to talk about this and think what they do with this. One is just over the next week, pray about, pray about God would either lay someone on your heart that you want to learn from. Or maybe there's somebody that you could help, somebody that you could be a mentor and help to. Just pray about that. Who is God laying on your heart for that? And then add to that the idea to seek out someone who could serve as a mentor to you. Ask that person to consider, to prayerfully consider just walking alongside with you. And then the other thing, of course, is to invest and find that person that you can invest some time with, that you can walk alongside them, disciple them, encourage them, pray with them, be be Jesus for them to help them grow. Sam, you've given us some great insights on this. Thank you. You certainly have. And Sam, you, you started by saying that you wanted to be as practical as you could possibly be to help people understand the, the role and the function. And one of the suggestions that you make in this uh, particular study, and you'll, we'll talk about it in a few weeks as well when you're back with us, but sometimes somebody in, our, in your family has some abilities and some expertise, and uh, we need to understand that, that sometimes those family relationships are vital in, in the mentoring relationships. And uh, in this case, it's a father-in-law. Nick, in a few weeks, we're going we're to talk about a, 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 a couple of cousins uh, who will, who will ha- have conversations. But oftentimes, it's the people closest to us where we, where we just have some influence because of the relationship that's naturally there. And we need to, uh, to take advantage of that. 
Well, Sam, thank you for being a part of this conversation. And Chris, you too as well. And for those of you listening to the podcast, we always enjoy hearing from you, whether it's in an email, or you leave a comment on the uh, extra, the Facebook page, uh, BibleStudiesForLife.com slash Adult Extra. We love to hear from you. But we do pray that you have a great Bible study this week. 